Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In order to get $200 million in savings, you're going to have to reduce the number of city employees in some fashion. Furlough would allow for a temporary reduction. Layoffs would be the last resort, I think, in terms of what the mayor would be hoping for. But the reality is the city is short $1.2 billion going into next year's budget unless the federal government comes forward. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Civic Federation President Lawrence Massal. You are one of the smartest and most knowledgeable guys I know on the subject of municipal finance. And boy, do we ever need that. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Fran. And thank you for having me on this, the birthday edition. Happy birthday to you. Um, I want my gift, of course, to you will be not to sing happy birthday as everyone in my family could attest. So happy birthday. <laughs> well, thank you so much. The coronavirus has blown an $800 million hole in the city's 2020 budget and created this $1.2 billion shortfall in next year's budget. This week, we had a bit of a roller coaster. First, Mayor Lightfoot pushed back her budget address a week until October 21st, hoping to give Congress more time to ride to the rescue. But then the following day, President Trump tweeted that he was calling off the negotiations. So the mayor gave up hope that Congress would bail Chicago out of the shortfall and said she is determined to fix it ourselves. Fix it ourselves. What is that going to require? Well, I think in fairness to Mayor Lightfoot, she is having to deal with uh, a Congress and an executive branch, which hasn't really made up its mind whether it's going to provide revenue support to states and local government. And so under state law, the mayor is required to have a balanced budget by the time the calendar year begins January 1st. Going on our own means that the city is going to face very significant cuts and reductions if it doesn't get revenue support. It's very difficult to see where the city could get more money because of the economic disruption, the high level of unemployment, and the general freefall in economically sensitive revenues that the city's experienced as a result of the closing and the trying to keep people safe during the pandemic. Well, the mayor has started by asking labor to work with her to achieve $200 million in savings. What is it gonna take to achieve 
$200 million in savings. We're talking layoffs, furlough days, pay cuts, combination of the three, aren't we? Yes. In order to get $200 million in savings, you're going to have to reduce the number of city employees that, um, in some fashion. Furlough would allow for a temporary um, reduction. Um, layoffs would be the last resort, I think, in terms of what the mayor would be hoping for. But the reality is the city is short $1.2 billion going into next year's budget unless the federal government comes forward. There's no windfall coming from the state of Illinois. The state of Illinois is not even in legislative session until after the election. So when the mayor says she's going to have to do this on her own, that means the city council and the mayor is going to have to do this on their own to cobble together a budget and spending plan that is about $1.2 billion less than expected from last year. The city and the corporate fund has about 25,500 employees. Reducing that number is not going to be easy, but it is something that the city can do. If they have the support of organized labor, then they can do some things that are givebacks, maybe in terms of um, benefits, sick days, furlough days, whatever they um, can negotiate can help reduce that number. So give us an idea of what it would take. How many layoffs would it take to get to 200 million? How many furlough days might it take? Or if you want to do a share the pain scenario, what kind of a pay cut would it take? And wouldn't it be wiser for labor and for the mayor, frankly, to do a share of the pain situation so you don't hit any one group so very hard as to deprive them of their paychecks altogether. Yes, it was definitely in everyone's best interest if the city is, works with its organized labor partners, uh, with the unions, to come up with a plan that makes it the most humane cuts possible. I, what we're, we're looking at is that you're going to have to you know, this is a level that has never been done in recent memory for the city of Chicago. It's been threatened that there be significant layoffs or reductions, but never 1.2 billion. And in fact, the 1.2 billion probably could not be done um, all in one year for the city and still maintain the basic level of city government operations. So it could be a series of furlough days. We've seen as many as a week or two weeks under um Former Mayor Daly um, had two weeks of furlough days. It could be a lot larger than that. It could be um, best would be a reorganization of some of the non-essential staffing, learning from the COVID experience because a lot of employees are working remotely. Are there efficiencies that don't demand the same number of staff to deliver um, basic city services? I think you also have to look at the police department and look at what a large percentage the police and fire department play in terms of staffing. They, there are, you know, to get to a $200 million um, reduction in police and fire um, would be just a dramatic change in what we provide in terms of services. So everything, as the mayor said, should be on the table some reduction of expenses across all city um, city services is likely. Some significant reduction in the 25,000 
full-time equivalents that are in the 2020 budget right now would be where you would start. So what would it take to get to 200 million in a humane way, as you put it, with a share the pain type situation with furlough days or pay cuts instead of layoffs? How Um, many furlough days, how many, or what percentage pay cut for everybody? So the number, if it was all on salary, right, and it was all in terms of trying to reduce the number of employees, if you expect that um, if it was going to go across the board to include police and fire, to include other general services, you're looking at a reduction of somewhere near a thousand employees could be the reduction um, in order to get to 200 million um, savings. But if you negotiate that with the unions, it could be much less in terms of the number of, of total employees that are reduced than the, than the number of voluntary um, reductions that could be um, incorporated, opportunities for early retirement, opportunities to um, re- share equally on um, furlough days or others. But a gross number would be about a thousand um, employees. And to avoid the layoffs, what size pay cut or, or how many furlough days would it take for each, if everybody shared the pain, how many furlough days are we looking at? How many, what percentage pay cuts? I, we don't ha- I don't have that number, right? It, a lot of it depends on what the city is going to try to do in terms of where they're going to make that up. Are they going to um, use borrowed funds? Are they going to um, take out other areas of non-essential spending? So I don't have a percentage of what they could do by going across the board if you wanted to apply it to all 25,000 corporate fund employees or all 35,400 local fund employees. Um, Proportionately, you could dramatically reduce the shared pain if it's spread equally, but but that's about the level of detail that we have right now. But you would urge them to do a shared pain situation. I think what the first step has to be a prioritization of the essential services that the city needs to provide. What are the areas that have to be um, included? Certainly public safety, in particular policing, is at the forefront, making sure that the neighborhoods and the downtown are remain safe, amidst, especially as the run-up to this election and the social um, unrest and demonstrations that we've seen in the past um, require the city to maintain adequate level of police presence and public safety. Then you look at other areas that maybe because of the economic impact, the impact of the disruption, that maybe there are some savings related to tourism and um, promotion of different um, festivals and other things that are not happening right now, except virtually, that could be reduced. I think it really requires uh, a comprehensive review by the mayor and her team. They have identified the numbers they're after, but they haven't identified the areas that are the highest for protecting, except to say that the mayor and her team have conveyed that they want to continue with their priorities of neighborhood um, reinvestment in the um, um, south and west um, parts of the city, but while still protecting downtown. So 
it, there are a lot more question marks, and we will really not have the answers until the mayor and her team reveals on the 21st of November what their budget is actually going to be and what they're proposing. I know many members of the city council have been having um, alternative discussions and ideas for raising revenue. It is very difficult to see where the city can get revenue that doesn't fly in the face of the economic disruption going on right now and the high level of unemployment that the city faces. Well, do you see any way that she can avoid the massive property tax increase that she managed to avoid after the election with a lot of one-time revenues? Yes, I do. I do think that uh, I think it will be a very heavy push to try to raise property taxes in the midst of the pandemic. I think the level of unemployment that we've seen in the city and the state of Illinois is not going to go away anytime soon. Most economists are not projecting a speedy recovery regardless of who's elected um, in November. What we, what I think it needs to be focused on as how do we maintain basic services to keep people um, from being forced out of their homes or their apartments as a result of a significant increase in taxes. So you would urge her to steer clear of a property tax increase of any size? I think the, 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 in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of the economic disruption um, that we're experiencing in Chicago, in the midst of seeing the, the high level of especially retail establishments um, being vacant or um, having closed the high level of unemployment of so many Chicago residents. I think a property tax increase in this times would be very difficult, not only for the um, for the citizens and the businesses to absorb, but also I think politically it would send a, a very difficult message. You think it's she can get the vote for it? I, you know, the Civic Federation doesn't forecast the political winds of the city council. I think this is the biggest, the mayor has said, this is going to be one of the toughest um, budgets the city's ever faced. We definitely concur with that. We definitely think the city council members have to step out of their comfort zone and actually get their, get involved in alternative scenarios of what they would propose, not just to avoid cutting, but just to keep the city solvent and to keep it in a financially positive place. There have to be reductions in spending. There have to be um, reorganization and modernization of things that were politically unattractive in the past, but now is the opportunity to address them. We like still hold what, out what, Like what? How do you make up for the need for a massive property tax increase? You're talking about $1.2 billion, with a B, dollars. Where do you get that kind of money? You get that. Well, you don't you're not going to get that one point two billion dollars all through a property tax increase, even if you thought that was the best path to go forward. It's going to have to be a combination of many things. But I think in the midst of the economic disruption caused by the pandemic, the high level of unemployment to ask the city of Chicago property taxpayers to dig deeper um, into their already first in the one of the most expensive property tax bills on the commercial side in the country is a very bitter pill and might actually have counter impact. You're going to have to go after what I've traditionally not been. Um, the, the city has not been willing to address 
which is bring down its personnel numbers, bring down its cost of delivering um, personnel and personnel-related services. And it needs help from the state. It needs help from the federal government. But until that arrives, the city is, is required under law to have a balanced budget. They have the potential to borrow um, some from the federal um, window, but they have to pay all that back within three years. And I don't, we don't see revenues jumping back into place to make it easy for an already heavily leveraged city to, um, to pay large amounts of borrowing back. We would not recommend borrowing to prop up the operating budget of the city of Chicago. And that then leaves you with the need for staffing reductions and other savings that have to be incorporated into the budget. Okay, so let's talk specifics then. What about the cost of delivering services, garbage collection, for example? You have long complained that the nine fifty a month, the garbage collection fee that was imposed under Rahm Emanuel, doesn't even come close to recouping the actual cost of this service that is provided by the city. So what do we do? Reduce the number of uh, employees on the truck. What do we do? Do we have uh, less frequent garbage collection? Do we raise the fee? What do we do? It should be a combination of both, right? One, we need to incentivize them. You need to be more efficient and recognize the potential savings by reducing the amount of garbage that the city of Chicago residents are providing and basically incent them to be better at recycling, to pull things out of the waste stream, but also the operating costs of the city garbage trucks, both in the management of it and in the actual picking up so that there can be reductions in the cost to the city in providing that basic service. There may have to be some stretching out of the t- of the, the pickup schedule for a period of time in order to accommodate it. Again, most of that requires cooperation among the employees and the employee unions on everything from staffing levels to time worked as, as well as other requirements that could be added to that in terms of shared services. So the number of employees on a garbage truck is now three, right? Right. And has been for some time. Do you think we can do it with one or two? What? Yes. You travel in the neighboring communities around the city of Chicago, in Evergreen Park, in Evanston, in Oak Park. You often see a garbage pickup service with one driver picking up all of the garbage because they have the ability to use the same kind of garbage container containers that we now have in Chicago can also drive the truck with a steering wheel oftentimes on either side. So yes, it's time to modernize and to be more efficient and not just in garbage collection, but in everything the city does and be more efficient in using less people to provide the basic services. So even in the tiny alleys, the narrow alleys, you think they could do it with one guy driving the truck and doing the whole thing himself, he, him or herself? I think definitely worth experimenting. There are always going to be exceptions. There are always places for which, because of the narrow alleys and other things, that you might need to make accommodations. But we, if not now, with facing a $1.2 billion shortfall, when would the city be incented to follow the best practices of other municipalities? When would 
um, labor be willing to um, improve its efficiency and deliver um, more for existing dollars. Now, the nine fifty a month fee, should it be changed to a volume-based garbage collection fee, or should we just raise it across the board? I think it should definitely be um, um, a trick. It should be dependent on volume. I think we need to be incenting people to make more efficient use, to recycle, to basically um, repurpose, rather than right now, anything you put in the alley gets picked up by the city of Chicago and taken to the dump. There's definite savings from um, a more volume-based fee, and it may require education. It may require better public understanding about the options for that, but it's definitely a place where there could be significant savings. And the recycling rate is ridiculously low. Correct. I think most Chicagoans want to recycle. Most Americans want to recycle. We need to make it easy for them. We need to explain to them what affects the value of recycled materials, how to keep it separate, and then have some consequences of not picking things up when they failure, if there's a failure to um, comply with reasonable recycling. Now, the 847 police vacancies and more than 200 civilian police vacancies, the mayor's looking at those. How many of those would you like to see eliminated? We don't have a hard number in terms of what should be eliminated. We really have to be looking at with a brand new superintendent in place and the city officers being significantly um, stressed and challenged in the environment that they're operating in under. You have to look at what's what's reasonable. Certainly the push to more efficiency among the administrators, the people that are not on the street, the people that are basically in some cases doing more clerical and other administrative functions definitely would be ripe for revisiting um, efficiencies and reductions in those levels. But you should not replace non-sworn officers with sworn officers to perform administrative or uh, clerical or other functions because that is enormously expensive and would be self-defeating in terms of trying to get to your budget event, your budget number. Aren't there other cuts at the police department? Aren't, don't there, aren't there too many brass people who are making very big salaries over there? Couldn't that be cut down significantly? I think there are many things in the police contract that can be examined that basically in terms of the generosity of the contract and what is provided, I think you have to maintain the, a, a level of staffing. So you all have to be aware of what the demand is for people coming into police service. But yes, every area of city government deserves investigation as to are there unnecessary layers of administration? Are there areas that can be reduced? Are there vacancies that don't need to be filled? Well, um, you could get rid of the brass or at least reduce the numbers without handling anything contractually. Those are examples. Again, you have a new superintendent who's come come in place um, just in the last couple of months, certainly be looking for the recommendations on how he plans to reorganize the department and whether that makes sense. The Civic Federation does not have a, a number for what the administrative oversight of the police department should be. You can certainly look to other cities and look to comparable size cities and make a measurement of whether our management to patrol officers, to people actually on the street, is disproportionate to New York 
Los Angeles and other major cities. And in the firefighters contract, there's all kinds of perks and staffing levels on fire apparatus. The mayor took a pass on that in the contract that she cut with them four years going back and forward only until June 30th. What should she do in the new contract to get after that very heavy cost? Right. There should be a modernization of the fire department and how we cooperate with other surrounding municipalities. Right now, there are joint agreements that um, provide that if there's a, a major fire, the surrounding suburbs and fire departments respond as well. That should be taken into account in examining whether we have too many firehouses because it's based on a system that's basically been in place for over 50 years. Do we really need so many required people on the truck? That has gone, we have gone so far in Illinois is to guarantee in the state statute the staffing levels of various fire apparatus equipment. That should be up to the municipalities. The mayor should work with the surrounding municipalities for cooperation, for joint response, and also we should look at unnecessary costs and modernizing whether the current structure of 24 hours on followed by um, several days off is really the best model for guaranteeing coverage. There's a lot in the fire department contract that is more historic than having to do with modern firefighting. Certainly firemen provide very valuable services, but how we manage them and how those resources are allocated can also be improved. So she should take on that staffing level issue that caused the 1980 firefighter strike then? Right. It definitely should be taken on. The Illinois General Assembly, if it wasn't on um, its own self-purported furlough because it's not operating um, virtually, unlike 22 other states and unlike the city of Chicago or the county government, the Illinois General Assembly chose not to operate virtually amidst the pandemic. But it definitely should be something that the mayor and the city council should be advocating for. When they look at the costs that are spent um, on fire department related costs and mandatory staffing levels on various um, pieces of equipment and that is embedded in the state law, it's time for our state legislature to allow the city governments to manage their fire department rather than being managed from Springfield. The Fraternal Order of Police is not willing to help the mayor one iota on the $200 million target figure that she has. They're still waiting for their contract. They have demanded a 17% pay raise over four years and half that amount for officers who are allowed to live outside the city. They want a financial only deal that uh, includes none of the 40 disciplinary reforms that the mayor has demanded. The scary part about this, this shortfall figure of 1.2 billion is that it does not include the entire uh, amount that would be required for back pay for police. It's hundreds of millions of dollars off. So this, this shortfall figure could get even bigger. It could get bigger. It's really incumbent on the every city employee, which would include the police and the fire and the regular workers, to recognize the financial reality that the city of Chicago faces. It's no one's fault that we have um, the coronavirus and its economic disruption, but it has affected city revenues. It is making a large deficit. And so everyone is going to have to participate in, in finding ways 
to balance the budget. It's not enough to make announcements that you're not going to look at your operations or you're not going to look at the financial reality. The city taxpayers are experiencing enormous stress right now of their own just getting through the day with the coronavirus, keeping their family safe. There, many people are have lost their jobs. Everyone needs to participate at the city level in trying to address this crisis. Pension obligation bonds, the mayor is considering it, although not at the $10 billion level that former mayor Rahm Emanuel once proposed. But Jenny Bennett, the CFO, says it needs to be tied to reforms to sell it to the rating agencies. What do you think? Do you have any level of, of concern about that and adding to the level of debt in the city? We have, we have an enormous amount of concern related to pension obligation bonds because pension obligation bonds, which have been used at the state level and other places, have not righted the pension situation. It's delaying the day of reckoning. There are things that the city needs to be doing with the state of Illinois to consolidate the public employee pensions. The state took a minor step, a first but important step in consolidating non-Chicago um, investment oversight of the police and fire funds. There's no reason why the city of Chicago police, fire, municipal and laborers pension funds could not be absorbed into the state pension system. It's something that should be done. It makes a lot of financial sense when you look at Chicagoans as not just city of Chicago taxpayers, but state of Illinois taxpayers, and that there is only really one source of funding. So there need, we are not sold on the idea of more borrowing as a means of helping the pension system. We are sold on the need for a comprehensive plan to address the city's grossly underfunded public pensions, which are putting enormous financial pressure on the city. The state of Illinois has the responsibility. The state of Illinois created the city pension funds. It dictates not just what, who oversees those funds or who's eligible to participate, but everything to who sits on those boards and what funds can go into them. So the state of Illinois has a re responsibility to help the city of Chicago and every city in the state of Illinois by modernizing and following best practices, which is consolidating your police and fire pension funds, consolidating um, Chicago's pension funds. City of Chicago is the only city in Illinois that has its own teacher's pension fund. It's the only one that doesn't participate in the Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund where its um, municipal employees should be. And before we go, Chicago Public Schools has a blank space in their budget that says $343 million from the federal government. Good luck. What do they have to do? And they're going to have to look at if that money is not forthcoming because they, as you said, are relying on three over $300 million in not identified um, federal funds that have been approved they're going to have to cut their operations by that amount or more, depending on how things go in the coming months. It is, you know, it is unreliable to, to, to say the feds are going to come up with this money, especially when we have seen what has been going on in Washington, which is no certainty as to whether they're gonna provide more money. The Civic Federation strongly supports the federal government is the only place 
that has the economic means and the tax bandwidth to do counter cyclical economic investing so that the schools can continue. So government services can continue as we try to make it through this pandemic and see the economy reopening. The federal government doesn't come up with that money. The city of Chicago and the Chicago public schools are faced with very significant layoffs. Like how many? Yeah, the, the, depending on um, when or when CPS decides to deal with this, when it's when it comes to the recognition, we're now, you know, uh, a couple of months into their fiscal year and no sign of this money coming from Washington. You're talking about literally um, hundreds to thousands of um, positions in the CPS budget that are at risk for this $300 million loss. And finally, should the mayor delay the $8.7 billion O'Hare expansion project that she inherited from Rob Emanuel, the airlines are reeling. I think that requires an examination of with, with not just the city financial team, with the rating agencies, with the um, airlines themselves on what they can, what they are expecting in terms of their ability to finance that, that it is most of the fees that are going to pay for that construction are coming from the airlines or airline related services. So the significant drop and the precarious financial position of the airlines begs the question how we can go forward. On the other hand, it's clear that we are, are going to need um, significant improvements at O'Hare going forward. So the timing of when those those improvements is, is a question mark. So it's definitely something that should be considered it does not, what's going on at O'Hare does not immediately impact the city's corporate funds or its general operating budget. No, it's just a face reality thing, though. Correct. I think yeah. that is, you know, the, it, is a, it is a delicate balance that the city and the mayor and the city council face related to O'Hare. If we don't invest in what is the economic engine of the city, O'Hare Airport and related activities, and we don't bounce back in terms of use and, um, you know, the attractiveness of travel and the safety of it, um, we're in for a very hard future. Other than the garbage fee, is there any revenue source that you could support raising at this time? You know, the Civic Federation doesn't support tax increases in the abstract. So it would have to be, you know, identified as part of a balanced approach. What is it that the, the city is doing in order to cut its cost? But at $1.2 billion, it is very hard to see what the city could turn to. There are, in fact, no easy answers for the mayor or the city council. All of the easy tax the man behind the tree ideas have been tried in Chicago. We tax bottled water. We tax entertainment venues. We tax, we don't you know, tax services, though. We don't tax services. We don't tax services, right. And that would require... Would you, what about that? It would require Springfield, but should she go after it, finally? I think there needs to be a comprehensive look at how the state of Illinois supports Chicago and other municipalities. And certainly what we have gotten so far has not been of the magnitude of what Chicago faces. Of course, the state will respond. We're in bad financial shape, too. We've been hit by the COVID um, crisis. We don't have a lot of money. And in fact, the city, the, 
city has seen a reduction in the money that they get from Springfield. They have the hope of a casino being built, whether temporary or an actual new casino in Chicago, but it is unlikely to be in effect in time to generate the type of revenue the city needs this year. Lawrence Massal, thanks for spending a bit of my birthday with uh, me, even though it was a very uh, difficult subject. And I think we're going to watch with interest to see what Mayor Lightfoot comes up with in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Fran, and happy birthday again. And we'll see you all next week.